All right, Ephesians, your life in the family of God. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians 4. My name is Pastor Dale. If you're new, uh, along with Ryan, uh, we teach the Word here every single week. So uh, we look forward to getting to know you after the service. Open the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. We're in a series that is all about what it means to be a child of God, but then also what it means as a child of God to actually live out the life every day, every week, in real in the real world and especially how to do it connected to this thing called the family of God. So would you pray with me as you open up? Father God, thank you for your word and thanks for the fact that you love us with an incredible transforming kind of a love and grace. We thank you for uh, the theme of our worship this morning that we've already been singing about that grace. We've been singing about the fact that it's your righteousness that you have given to us in Christ. But God, we all know that we are, as Matt said, Father, we are still broken people. We're still flawed people. We're still needy people. So, Father, teach us uh, about what it means as as a needy person to come to you and to live out of your grace. So we love you. We ask you to teach us from the Word. In Christ's name, amen. Once upon a time, I met a caterpillar, and this caterpillar um, was in need of therapy. So you already know this is not a true story, but just kind of roll with it, okay? This caterpillar had a deep, you know, a deep uh, dysfunction in his personality because here's kind of how his life went. From the time he was born, he just instinctively knew one lifestyle. He'd get up, crawl in the dirt, and he was good. Had all his little legs, just made for crawling in the dirt efficiently. He'd crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, find a leaf, eat it. Hide from the birds, down the tree, through the dirt. Pretty much his life was this endless cycle. Crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, eat some leaves, hide, eat some leaves, hide, eat some more leaves, hide. And every day, this was his life. Now, you might think, man, he was pretty bummed. And actually, this didn't depress him at all because it was the life that he knew. It was the life he was good at. He was kind of made to to live that life. Crawl in the dirt, climb the tree, eat the leaf, hide. That was his cycle. And he knew that that must be okay because he looked around, he saw other caterpillars. And guess what they did? Say it with me. Crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, eat a leaf, hide. That's all they did. That's all all of his caterpillar friends did. Life was good. And then one day, life got more difficult. Because one day, he uh, all of a sudden, for some reason, he didn't even understand. He kind of spun this little thing around himself, which we call a cocoon. And he entered into this cocoon. And uh, is it a cocoon? I had... What is a what? Wow, I, you know, I hate having botany people or bi- <laughs> these biologists in the room. Okay, okay. So he, so he spun that little chrysalis. Okay, thank you for correcting me. Uh. And, and, he, and he just kind of took a nap. There's probably a, a, a better word for that, but I'm saying it's a nap. <laughs> it's my caterpillar, it's my story, okay? 
So in my caterpillar story, he took a nap. And it was a, a nice nap. It felt like a good nap. And when he woke up, however, and he came out of that little thing he had spun, he felt something different. He kind of tried to crawl in the dirt. And he, and he actually, it was hard. Because he had these two strange, big, flat appendages on his back. And, and, and he couldn't understand why, but it was harder for him to crawl. It was he tried crawling up the tree, eating the leaves, and it was harder for him to do that. And he think, why did God do this to me? And every day, he'd get up, crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, try to eat some leaves. But he couldn't understand why all of a sudden, it was even harder than it was before. Now, most of you are thinking, this is one dysfunctional worm. And I know technically he's not a worm, but I'm calling him a worm in my story. That's why I picture this little caterpillar, this little worm-like creature had been recreated, but he was clueless of the miracle God had done. He had been remade, but he was clueless. He didn't understand the miracle that he had gone through. Now we'll come back to him toward the end of the message, but let's leave him now because you say, Dale, what are we talking about? We're going to look at a passage in Ephesians today that is, I believe, the best passage in all the Scriptures to describe what it's like to live where your life is really pretty much a life of crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, eat all you can, and repeat it day after day. That's your old life. And we're going to see a new life that Christ gives us, that in Christ we literally, like that butterfly, like that little creature, have been remade. In fact, Jesus used this word, born again. Metamorphosis, right? the process, that we have been born again, that we have new life. But do we really understand what the old life was like? Do we really understand what the new life is like and why God has done this miracle and what difference it ought to make in our life? So we're going to look at the old and the new, and today is all about putting off the old, putting on the new. Got it? Put off the old, put on the new. Let's listen to the Word of God. Go to Ephesians 4, open your Bibles or your iPhones, iPads, whatever you have it on. Listen to God's Word. We've just been talking about the, 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 the joy of being connected in the family of God. In Ephesians, we learn that we are connected and unified by one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, one God and Father. You know, we got all this unity. And then we learn in verses 7 and following of all the diversity that even though we are unified as children of God, we in one family, we are very, very different, very, very diverse. And then we learned last week that that diversity comes with it, uh, a diverse uh, types of spiritual gifting and abilities and talents that we're all different for a purpose, and that is to be united in ministry. So we're united by Christ, but we are very different in Christ, and we have one purpose, which is to be growing in Christ and doing ministry. But as we do that, we're to be the presence of Christ, the body of Christ. And that's what sets us up for today, because we need to be not living out of the old, but out of the new. Here we go, verse 17. This I say, therefore... So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, 
that you walk or live no longer just as the Gentiles or unbelievers also walk in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Stop right there. Now that's God's description of a person apart from Jesus Christ. But it can also be a pretty good description of a person who maybe knows Christ, but they don't get it. In other words, this is your life outside of Christ. And this may be, if you don't understand what the new is like, you may think this is still you. But we're going to see in a minute that it's not. So let's understand that because God says before you really can put on this new life, you need to be able to identify and understand what the old life is really like so you know what to lay aside and what to put on. Got it? So what is it that we need to lay aside? What is a person's life really like if they've not put their trust in Christ? Here it is. Let me break it down. That old you is made up of five little statements. And they each kind of add depth to understand that struggle and that life of that worm. Number one, he says you have futility of mind. When you walk and live as unbelievers or Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding. Let me just pause there. Futility means empty. It actually means being empty-minded, believe it or not. Being darkened, and it could be translated, that Greek word could be translated blinded. Being blinded or darkened in understanding. So there is, first of all, a spiritual darkness that the person outside of Christ lives in. That when it comes to understanding God, when it comes to understanding spiritual things, when it comes to understanding all that is involved in spirituality and morality in our lives, there is a certain spiritual darkness. Now why is that? Look at the next phrase. He says that they are excluded, being excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Excluded from the life of God. So now it goes from spiritual darkness to spiritual deadness. That, that at the soul level, that our soul or spirit is spiritually dead. The word that means excluded from the life of God could be translated separated from the life of God. So you've got the God, you've got the life of God, and, and uh, without Christ, you are literally separated from that. And that's why Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, when Jesus interacted with Nicodemus, and uh, think about Nicodemus for a minute, was Nicodemus a uh, just this horrendous, uh, moral uh, debauchery, uh, a guy just known for you know his uh, immoral lifestyle? Answer, yes or no? No, yeah, Nicodemus was known for what? What would he be known for as a spiritual leader in Israel? Huh? He was a teacher. He was a teacher of the Word even. So he was very religious. Would he ever pray? You bet. He prayed. He studied the Word. He understood... Uh, the Word of God even. Uh, in fact, he was very committed to trying to live a very moral lifestyle. So he, this is a guy that, that was very interested in God, trying to live a moral lifestyle, but struggling. And he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, can you help me understand what's going on? And Jesus, in a nutshell, gives him this word. He says, Nicodemus, your problem is not that you're not trying, man. Your problem is you need to be born again. 
So Jesus actually uses that language. Born again. You need a metamorphosis. You need to go into that little thing that the caterpillar weaves, whatever it's called, and then when you come out, you are going to be born again. And Jesus says you need life. In fact, the phrase born again in Greek in the passage could also be translated born from above. So you need a from above birth, you need a spiritual birth to go with your physical birth. Man, you are physically alive, walking and talking, no doubt about that, but you need life. Because if you don't have forgiveness for your sin, you're separated from God by our sins, and we are spiritually, we have spiritual deadness. We have spiritual darkness because we have spiritual deadness. Now it gets even kind of more alarming. Look at the next phrase. And the ignorance that is in them. It says they have the, because of the ignorance that is in them. In other words, there is a spiritual um, deception. Now, you have spiritual, they are spiritually deceived. They're, 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 they're ignorant. And he's not trying to, you know, this is not trying to make fun of someone or bash them. It sounds kind of harsh almost to say, well, you know, they're spiritually ignorant. Because they're spiritually dead and in spiritual darkness. So they're deceived. Now, I put the word mind up there because if you look at the three first three things, all of these have to do with our mind. They all have to do with our ability to understand truth and to understand the truth about God, the truth about life, the truth about ourselves. So this is, he's saying your mind is affected by sin. We tend to think that, no, our mind is just this intellectual uh, machine and it's, and it's morally neutral. And, and the Bible is saying, no, no, no. If you haven't come to Christ, you know, your ability to think with real wisdom, your ability to know truth, your ability to understand spiritual things especially, I mean, you can make an A in algebra, but your ability to understand spiritual truth, spiritual things, moral things, is uh, you're in ignorance, you're spiritually dead, deceived, and in darkness. Now, that's not a pretty picture. It paints a picture of that, that apart from Jesus Christ, our culture and anyone uh, on their own is just groping in darkness, kind of trying to feel their way along through life. I picture a blind person with, with no cane, no dog, no help, no friends. Just walking, kind of trying to feel where the doors are and trying to make it through life. Scary, isn't it? So in the mind, we are not just crippled, but we are dead and, and hurting because of sin. But then it gets even more serious. Because the very next phrase, notice what it does. It shifts from the mind to the heart. Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 19, and they have become callous. They have become callous. They have a calloused heart or a hard heart. Those two words are rich. The word for hardness of heart is the word uh, for stone. It's, it's a word like a stony heart. Uh, another translation could be it's, it's describing like a petrified heart. Now, when, when a tree or a, something gets petrified, what, what happens? Uh, huh? It becomes like rock, right? And that's because the softer tissues that, that disintegrate are replaced by what? Minerals, right? The minerals uh, leach in, take the place of the soft stuff, 
And next thing you know, it looks like the same shape of that tree or that person or whatever, but yet it is calcified, it is, it is stony, it is mineral, it's hard. And he says that we have hardness of heart. Now, what is the heart? Uh, what, what's he talking about? When you hear the Bible talk about our heart, you think of verses like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Uh, love God with your heart. Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite verses, says to guard the heart, uh, be careful, guard your heart, because out of the heart flow the springs of life. So the heart when we hear about it in the Bible, is not just the blood-pumping machine. It is the, the seat of intellect, emotions, and will. It is like the control center of life. So he says at the heart level, the heart deals with the, what, you are, what you love and what you decide and your choices and your affections. All of that is wrapped up in the heart. So understanding that, he says, you know, without Christ, we develop a hardened heart. Our hearts become hardened. He uses a second phrase. They become calloused. Now what is a callous? Um, if you do anything repeatedly, you develop, uh, hopefully, calluses, right? And they kind of help protect you from pain. Uh, they deaden sensitivity, right? Uh, when I was in uh, the seventh grade, I decided to be a guitar guy. I decided I would be a rock star. That was my aspiration in life. As you can tell, I fell a little short, okay? Uh, don't laugh, but, I, you know, try to picture me with hair. I could have done it, okay? So I get a guitar, and in fact, I, uh, I began to take lessons. And I'll never forget the pain of taking guitar lessons. And, and why is that? Yeah, well, there's little, little strings, little wires, and, and, and you've got to press them down and hold them down. And my little fingers would almost bleed. And, and I, could, I still have bad memories of taking guitar lessons. But my teacher would tell me what? Dale, be patient. You've got to keep practicing because over time you will develop calluses on the end of your fingers and you won't even feel those strings. You know, they won't hurt anymore. And anyone that you see that plays guitar up here in the band, I guarantee you, if you check out their fingertips, even Paige is going to have calluses on her fingertips. True? Okay, okay. Now, you know, because without those, you're going to feel those wires. So, so you need those. So calluses are a good thing for fingers if you're going to play guitar. They're a bad thing for the heart. Because if you have a calloused heart, it means you deaden your sensitivity of the heart. I think it's a reference to the fact that we go from not just being spiritually deceived, dead, and dark, to spiritual defiance. I've got to run with these D words, okay? Spiritual defiance. At the heart level, I become numb toward God. I become kind of numb or I lose my sensitivity towards sin sin no longer bothers me whereas first of all i'd be real sensitive to sin in fact even the non-christian is born with a conscience being made in the image of god as people you have a moral conscience it's a gift from god designed to protect you it's designed to protect you it's designed as a warning system that says oh man dale you did something wrong you better step back because you're feeling a little bit of guilt. 
And we often use words to describe that. We often use the word uh, a twinge of guilt. You ever said that? I felt a twinge of guilt. Um, or, or sometimes we will say my conscience was pricked. You ever said that? Or heard someone say that? You know, it, God pricked my conscience. And, and the prick is just like that guitar string or a little needle that it just... And, 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 and you realize a finely tuned conscience will be pricked by God whenever you do something wrong and you say, oh God, I need to confess that to you and I probably need to go to somebody I've just wronged or offended and confess it to them. And God wants us to have a heart that God and His Spirit can easily prick and we're sensitive to sin. And, and, and what He says is the more that you stay away from God, the longer you walk without Christ, the longer you involve yourself in the next level, which is give yourselves over to sensuality, impurity, and every sort of greed, now we go from the mind to the heart to our habits, our sinful choices. The more that you tolerate sinful choices in our lives, it has a sense of building up calluses on the heart. So we're not real sensitive. And you want to have a sensitive heart. Um... All of us still sin, and I know I do, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, what's the most recent? Well, I don't have to go back very far. I, I just go back to yesterday evening, okay? Maybe you have to go back a week, or to me, it's usually way less than a day, okay? So last night, God pricked my heart because by God's grace, uh, he's helped me develop a more sensitive heart, especially as it relates to how he wants me to love my wife. So I, the short version is this. I spent Friday evening and all day Saturday with our pastors and leaders talking about deep spiritual things and the life of our church and strategic thinking. And, and, that, and that was stimulating and fun and exciting. And it's going to be great for Seacoast. So that was good that I did that. But, you know, after doing that for a day and a half and getting ready for it the whole week before, I'm kind of in the mood to go home and just crash and let my wife, you know, uh, just make me comfortable and love on me. Does that sound good? <laughs> you know, and I deserved it. You're right. So I came home expecting to be loved on. And, and, of course, Becky, she had nothing to do. She's just been babysitting three grandchildren for three days. So um, did you catch that? She's just been babysitting three grandchildren for three days. So she has her own agenda for the evening. And uh, I come home, and I found out I'd, 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 I had uh, recorded a basketball game that I wanted to watch. So I turn on the basketball game, and I just kind of crash. And, you know, I, I, I get a little glass of Cabernet, and I'm, I'm enjoying a little glass of wine, watch the basketball game, and I'm chilling out. And, and, and that's good. And Becky wanted me to rest, and she was cool with that. Until she goes upstairs, and all of a sudden I hear this, Dale, come now. That tone of voice. So I'm smart enough, even with my depraved mind, I'm smart enough to put the thing on hold and I go upstairs and I say, oh, you know, what, what do you need? You know, is a grandkid throwing up or something? I don't know. You know, what do you need? <clears throat> and, and there was something broke and she needed it fixed. And, and, and she said, can, can you fix this? And of course, she's frazzled. <sighs> and, I, and, and my initial response was, you know, it's going to take a screwdriver and a ladder now, that didn't go down real well. I can't understand why, because it was truth. I just spoke the truth to my wife. It's going to take a screwdriver and a ladder. To which she just walked out of the room. 
went and got a little step stool, brought it back, plopped it down, turned around, left. Now, if you're reading this story the way it went down and reading between the lines, yes, I got my own screwdriver, she brought me the ladder, I did the repair, I went back to my basketball game. And I mean, immediately, God pricked my heart. And he just kind of, the spirit of God kind of just said, Dale, I think something went wrong up there. I think you did something wrong. And it didn't take me long to figure it out because I thought, you know, God says, hey, Dale, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Sacrifice yourself for her. Hey, Dale, I'm thinking of scripture. I'm, hey, Dale, um, consider others more important than yourself. Don't just look out for your own personal basketball game or interests. It's in the Greek language, um, you know, basketball. But, but you know, the bottom line is I'm, it's all about me. And I was just kind of being a selfish husband. And she was wiped out from a long day in which she hung out with three grandchildren and I'm hanging out with a bunch of spiritual people, talking about spiritual things. Who do you think had the hardest day? Not me. So I go upstairs and I just say, hey, honey, and I give her a hug. And um, I said, honey, I just need to apologize. I think I really wasn't thinking about you. And I'm sorry for just my attitude. She said, it's okay. I love you. And that was it. But what I'm illustrating is something very simple. And that is, when you walk with Christ, Christ wants us to have a soft heart, a sensitive heart, a heart that senses sin early on but if you do not walk with christ or even as a christian if you continue to walk in your old life where you are darkened in understanding spiritual uh, deadness and maybe you you're not spiritually dead if you've come to be a christian but you're still living this way in your old life you can develop the more we tolerate any area of sin in our life we developed sin calluses calluses of the heart where we're just not sensitive to it you know it's it's so common in all kinds of areas pornography is an easy area where maybe when you first uh years ago took that little look at this or that and you think yeah i shouldn't look at that so you kind of look away or you try to turn away and then you the more you kind of allow yourself to tolerate it you it just doesn't affect you as much materialism is that way you know you you fall in love with things and you find your joy and your happiness and when you buy something new and and next thing you know you, you're you're trying to fill your life with more stuff because it makes you feel good so whether it's you know materialism or pornography or or this or that when we tolerate sin when we allow ourselves to be given over to sensuality and purity living a life of greediness, which means I want more to be happy, that's greed, then those sinful habits affect the heart, which affects the mind, and that's why we struggle with this old life. In your outline, I wanted to give you a real short little summary of what I've taught you so far, and it's this little statement in the box. So if you like the short version, here it is. 
It says the point is, apart from Christ, or even if you know Christ, if you don't walk with Christ in His Spirit, if you walk as if Christ isn't there, okay, you will tend to be less sensitive to God and your conscience, more submissive to the desires of the flesh, more tolerant of acts of immorality, and left unsatisfied even though you always want more. That's greediness. The mind, the heart, the habits are all affected whenever we just live apart from Christ. So that if you do that for enough years, this will be true of you. Less sensitive, more submissive, more tolerant of immorality, and the greediness aspect, you're always going to be left unsatisfied, always wanting more no matter how much you have. In fact, I read a quote by Christine Onassis. Does that last name sound ring a bell? As in Aristotle Onassis, as in Jackie O, as in extreme wealth. Christine Onassis once said, as the daughter, as the daughter of Aristotle, Onassis, quote, happiness is never based on money and the best proof of that is my family. And she made that statement before committing suicide. You see, there's all kinds of proof that this is not the life that God wants us to be living, is it? That's kind of a scary life. So why did... Paul even teach this see I think the reason he taught it was he was looking at a group of Christians that even though they had come to know Christ they were still living as if before they were still living their old life even though they had come to know Christ so he brings to the surface what this old life is like and he says hey guess what don't stay there you don't have to live that old life there's hope And the hope is because of what happens when the worm crawls in to that little woven thing and comes out a new creation. And that's the rest of our passage. Here it is. It begins with the word but in verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard Him. You've got to read it that way. Underline the word Him. In the Greek language... In the, in the grammar here, it's not that, um, it's not like it's just saying, um, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him. No, it's, it's like, if indeed, and you have, you've heard him. The emphasis is on the word him. And, and, and you need to see that the emphasis is on Jesus. The emphasis is saying, if you've heard Jesus, wow, you're no longer trapped by that old life. Because now, some things have changed. You have heard Him. In other words, you've heard and responded to Him. You have been taught in Him just as truth is in Jesus. So instead of living in darkness and spiritual deadness, you now have spiritual life in Christ and spiritual illumination, spiritual light. So you go from deadness and darkness to light in Christ and life in Christ. So the new you in Christ, let me take it apart phrase by phrase. If indeed you have heard him in other words you have new life he says if you've come to new life in christ and you have because paul knew he was writing to this group of christians this young church 
You have new life in Christ. Therefore, second thing is true. You don't just have new life in Christ. You've been taught in Him. You've, been, you've heard Him and responded. You have new life. You've been taught in Him. Now you have new truth to go with new life. You have new truth. You no longer have to grope in spiritual and moral darkness to try to find out what makes life work. And then he adds this phrase. I love this. You have been taught in Him just as truth is in Jesus. Wow. See, if you understand the truth about life, truth about God, truth about everything, then you look to Christ. He gives you life. He gives you truth. Let's continue to, to, to listen. Then he says, therefore, lay aside the old self. Lay aside the old self. Um, do, 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 pick it up. Verse 22. Therefore, in reference to your former manner of life, which was what? Call in the dirt. Climb the tree. Eat all you can. And hide. Crawl. Climb. Eat. Hide. That's life without Jesus. But you now, in, in terms of that former life, lay it aside. Lay aside the old self. Because it's corrupted. It's being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Corrupted according to the lusts of deceit. So lay it aside. And what he's saying is you can do that because you have new freedom. What he's saying is you're now free. You're free from that life of crawling in the dirt, climb the tree, eat all you can, try to satisfy yourself. You don't do that. You're now free. You have new freedom. You're not trapped. This, um, this word that's used, again, there's some rich words here for lay aside the old self. Uh, the, uh, new, uh, the New Living Translation says, throw off the old and clothe yourselves or put on the new. And the word is a Greek word that was often used for changing clothes. In other words, this is how you dressed in your old life. Now, you got a whole new wardrobe, and the wardrobe is Jesus. The wardrobe is the righteousness of Christ. The wardrobe is your new life in Christ. It's the holiness that you have in Christ. You're now made to live a different life because you've been born again. You've been born again. New life new truth, new freedom. And then finally, he adds one more. So therefore, what do we do? That you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, the new you, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now listen to it. He says, the new you is the likeness of God. Now don't get too hung up on yourself here. This doesn't say that you are God. And it certainly doesn't say that you're going to be perfect like God. Because like Matt said, we're all still needy. We all still are in process. But he says, you are made now. You are free to have a renewed mind. Remember how the, I showed you how the messed up life outside of Jesus begins with the confused mind. And then you've got a confused mind. You've got a calloused heart, which kind of is cold and stone-like toward God and other people. And then you've got messed up habits 
of immorality that really mess up life. So you got the mind, the heart, the habits. Now he reverses it and he says, now you can have, you have new life. And part of that is you have a new, you can have a renewed mind. Because this new life in Christ, unfortunately, you kind of got the old mind is still there. In other words, you still remember life in the dirt, eating the leaves, trying to get satisfied. You still remember that, right? You did that for a bunch of years. He says, but now you have new freedom because you can now lay aside the old life and embrace this new life which Christ has provided for you. It is a gift from God. I love uh, years ago, a guy named Josh McDowell that I really learned a lot from um, used to say this about this process of becoming spiritually alive and then becoming like Jesus Christ, being transformed. We call it, the big word for it is sanctification. Okay, He says sanctification is the process of becoming who you already are in Christ. That's good. It's the process of becoming who you already are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? Look at verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then put on the new life, the new self, the new you, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. See, Jesus Christ has already forgiven you of all your sin. Jesus Christ has given you His Spirit to live in you. Jesus Christ has given you new life, new truth, and then He's launched you into a process where you can become the person that God created you to be. But He's given you all the tools. He's given you the power in His Spirit. He's given you the truth of His Word that you can renew your mind. You can think differently now you can develop spiritual insight and wisdom and you can, you can, you can have a, a softer heart and you can strip the calluses off your heart and get a new heart that is sensitive to God so that when you are unloving to somebody, God pricks your heart and you catch it quick. Because you may think my little illustration about my marriage was trivial, but I'll tell you something, I do divorce counseling with more people than you want to know who it comes down to a pattern of simply having a calloused heart toward their husband or their wife, where they just don't have a soft heart. They don't sense when they've offended the person. They don't care to say, I'm sorry, and ask forgiveness whenever they've messed up. So developing a renewed mind to think like Christ have real spiritual wisdom and a and a soft heart that loves God and loves people and then new lifestyle that is characterized by holiness and living out the truth of the way God wants us to live that's exciting that's the new you that's your new future but the problem is some of us still remember Years and years of knowing that all I know how to do is crawl in the dirt, climb the tree, eat more leaves, try to get fat, 
Try to be the biggest, fattest worm I can be. And we're still living there. So I want to leave an image in your mind. And that is that image I've been describing from the beginning of this message. See, you outside of Jesus, you're like this worm. There you are. There you are. Now, that is, in my opinion, one ugly worm. Now, some of you are feeling kind of bad for the worm right now. But I'm just not a worm. I'm just not a caterpillar fan, okay? I'm not a caterpillar fan. That's, I don't want to touch that. <clears throat> but that thing is custom made to crawl in the dirt, climb a tree, and eat leaves. It's good at it. But imagine if it came out of... If it came out looking like this. If it came out and all of a sudden it realizes, wow, I've got these big awkward appendages. And of course, the good news for butterflies is that they don't have to go into therapy to figure it out. Because God gives them an instinct to know, flap it. And they flap. And they rise. And suddenly, wow, I don't have to crawl in the dirt. I don't have to live in the dirt. I don't have to crawl up the tree to just get something to eat. I can now fly above the ground and I have this glorious new life and I have this thing of beauty. And I, I, now I'm a thing of beauty recreated with a new life. See, too many of us as Christians come to know Jesus and then we think, wow, it's good that I'm going to go to heaven someday as a forgiven worm. And some of our language even, to be honest, I think is sloppy theology. Because there's even a song we used to sing that says, blah, 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 for such a worm as I. Okay, remember that song? Um, for how would Christ... Which, what, which, what song is that? That's not in my notes. Some of the older, older members, you know which I'm talking about. Um, that Christ died for such a worm as I. Apple, what is it? You know it. What is it? Is it Amazing Grace? Is it one of the verses? Anyway, I'm off track. You're not, a, you're not just a forgiven worm. You're a recreated, beautiful child of God. You're a gifted, empowered, filled with the Spirit, uh, child of God. So don't live like a forgiven worm with your old life. Start living, start flying, start flapping. Start renewing your mind with the Word of God so you learn, wow, so that's how life's to be lived. And start flying above the dirt. But Satan will whisper in your ears because at times you'll fail. At times you'll still sin. And you'll begin to think, oh, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't fly. And I'm just going to go back to crawling in the dirt, climbing the trees, and eating more leaves. And you don't have to do that. Instead you say, no, that's the old me. I'm laying aside the old me, and I'm picking up the new me that Jesus has provided for me because I got wings. And I'm now a thing of beauty, Loved by God, saved by His grace. And God now has a whole new purpose for me. He doesn't want me living in the dirt of this world. He wants me flying above it. And all of a sudden, life gets fun. 
So if you've never trusted Christ, that's the beginning point. If you have heard Him, if you've heard and responded to Him, if you haven't trusted Christ, I want to ask you to pray with me and do that. If you've already done that, I want to ask you to say, God, forgive me for living as if I'm the old me. Today I choose new. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for the newness we have in Christ. Thank you that all things have become new, that we are a new creation in Christ. That you haven't just um, made us to be forgiven worms that go to heaven and sprout wings. Thank you that we have our wings now. We have new life now. We have the righteousness of Christ now. May we live to be the person that we already are in Christ. And thank you that when we fail, Father, that you pick us up by your grace and you love us. Father, if we have any friends here who have never trusted Christ to begin this process of new life, I pray they would pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, today I choose you. Today I put my faith in you, my trust in you. And I ask you to give me new life, new truth, new freedom, that I might live a new life for you. And Father, even as we give now, we give out of generous hearts because you're making us generous. You're making us people that love you, trust you, and giving is a really fun way to show that. So we give now in Christ's name. Amen.